if you look at the actual scientific research, increasing social support, that feeling of being accepted or loved or um, whatever kind of emotion really connects you to people, I would say love, um, as that author had, um, the benefits of having a strong social support system in your life are more powerful to your health than a healthy diet, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, all combined. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Liz Curran, and Liz is the co-director of the Radical Remission Project. She's a holistic cancer health coach, educator, and speaker, and was inspired to become a health coach after caring for her sister with an aggressive breast cancer diagnosis in 2014. And as a certified Radical Remission health coach, Liz has witnessed the power of lifestyle change firsthand which motivates her to share the powerful benefits of the 10 healing factors with people seeking all types of treatment on their cancer journey, as well as other mental and physical diagnoses. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here with you today. <laughs> That's great, Liz. Yeah, I'm so so inspired by your work in the project, and we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get into all that because I know people are gonna be fascinated by it. But um, Liz, maybe just start by talking about your background and how you got into the holistic cancer health coaching as well as the Radical Remission Project. Yeah, sure, no problem. I'm I'm happy to share that story. Um, well, it started out as as my my bio shared um, that my sister was diagnosed in 2014 with a very aggressive, very rare breast cancer, and unfortunately, within one year, so she was diagnosed in January. She ended up passing away in December of that same year. So a very, um, in my opinion, fast cancer journey. And um, it was new to our family. We didn't have any, you know, knowledge of you know, anyone actively in our lifetime having been treated for cancer and whatnot. So, um, so we didn't know about this kind of other side of the cancer world. And, um, you know, that I don't want to minimize the gravity of losing my sister because she was, you know, one of the most important people in my life. So that's a story for another day. Um, but what it did do was almost, um, inspired by, the loss of her, I wanted to make sure that nobody else was ever going to go through what I went through, which, you know, of course, I can't stop all of that from happening. But I wanted to do my part to try to educate people on the other side of things, because we didn't know at the time. So after she passed away, uh, I decided to become a health coach, just unrelated to cancer, I just was moved to try to help people live a healthier lifestyle, because I did learn a lot while she was ill. Um, and the benefits of that personally for me. So a couple of years after she passed, a friend of mine was also diagnosed with a late stage cancer and chemotherapy wasn't an option for her, just wasn't going to help her, um, you know, gain any, any headway on her illness. So she opted not to do it, um, really kind of in partnership with her doctors. They really didn't see the the value of it either. And so she had no choice but to dig deeper and figure out she was 35. She had two young kids. She wasn't going anywhere. Um, 
And what she did was she ended up going to Mexico to an um, integrative hospital there and learning all about this other side of cancer. And she came back from that and she was like, guys, there's this entire other world <laughs> of cancer treatment that nobody knows about. We got to we got to help them learn. So when she went to Mexico on this, um, you know, this three week trip to Mexico uh, was not inexpensive, but she came back. Oh, do you want to oh, pause? Liz, was it yeah. the Ger was it the Gerson treatment? Just out of just out of curiosity, it was something different. No, I mean it definitely followed the juicing philosophy, um, but it was just one drop in the bucket. This was a, a whole mind body approach. Um, it was at the Oasis of Hope. It was a, a the cancer center in Mexico, and she was there. And they walked her. They gave her a health coach, and they taught her how to juice, and they taught her how to eat, and they did all kinds of different alternative treatments, integrative treatments. And in the end, she did end up on a, a very low dose chemotherapy pill in addition to all these grand lifestyle changes. I mean, this this friend of mine, people do a lot of things when they want to um, kind of cleanse their body. She even removed uh, fillings from her mouth that were made of specific metals. And, you know, really, she did all the things. It was a full-time job for her in addition to her full-time job. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I, I just got to just jump in here. Liz, one of the highlights of my life was um, it, I, made a, I made a film, documentary film years ago uh, called The Healing Effect. And I interviewed Charlotte Gerson, hmm. and, uh, who was in her 90s at the time. And I went to her house and she was showing me the juicer. And I mean, she was in her mid-90s and she was filled with so much energy. And she would hop in her car, even in her 90s, and she would drive to Mexico to go to the to, to go to the clinic and all that kind of stuff. But she was, um, you know, very inspiring lady. Oh, yeah. I, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that she was vibrant and thriving if that was her her practice. Right. Um, cool. So my friend came back and within six months, there was no evidence of a tumor showing up on her PET scan. So she went from, you know, conventional medicine, basically saying we can't help you and being in remission six months later after going through all of these different. So she felt it, it was very important. And I, having just lost my sister, we kind of like really married um, our passions, if you will. And with some other friends, we all started a nonprofit that would help fund people who wanted to um, do things that weren't covered by healthcare. So we did that for quite a while. That actually just wrapped up about um, a year ago. And um, we, you know, all volunteer based nonprofits can't live forever, <laughs> unfortunately, <Right>. but um, <laughs> but we reached so many people and we had such an amazing, fulfilling experience sharing this information. And to get to the answer to your question, through that experience, I came across Radical Remission, the book. Mm. I didn't know about it. It was just kind of a word of mouth. Um, a good friend of mine is a massage therapist and someone that works for her, um, her father was a radical remission survivor. And I heard, like she mentioned, oh, I, I got to introduce you to this guy, John. He's a radical remission survivor. In my mind, I kind of just immediately linked it to spontaneous remission. So it just felt familiar. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'd love to meet this guy. And then when I did meet him, he, I think he brought the book and we met at one of our fundraisers for our nonprofit. And he showed me um, the radical remission book. And in the table of contents of that book are the nine healing factors that came out of the research that obviously we will discuss a little bit today. Um, and then later there became a 10th healing factor that came out um, in 2020. So that 
table of contents listing out the factors. All I had to do was open the book and the very first page I was sold. Mm. It was like my entire body. You know, when you, you just like you get the chills and you just know that something's a match. And that was actually at the time I still wasn't a cancer coach. I was still a health coach and also working at this cancer nonprofit. So that book, I will say, is what immediately bridged the gap between the two. And I was like, oh, yes, this is something that makes sense for everyone. I should do this. And um, within, Mm. you know, just a few months, I found out there was a training to become a coach and I got the radical remission coaching certification so that I could work with cancer patients. What, Liz, what is, uh, what is radical remission? Like, how would you define it? Like, what is a radical remission? A radical remission is someone who um, heals either, there's, there's a few different elements, and I will pull them out for you here. I think they're right here in the book. I can just list them as they read in the book for your audience here. Sure. Uh, but ultimately, it's um, people who have gone into remission uh, that, statistically should not have been able to. So they either healed without conventional treatment at all, or they tried conventional treatment, but it did not lead to a remission. So then they in turn tried alternative therapies, took an integrative approach. Um, Well, actually this one, they just tried alternative therapies, which led to remission. And then the third one is that they um, tried a combination of conventional and alternative with that integrative approach. And all of these people had a less than 25% uh, five-year survival rate from their disease, and then went on to exceed that and more. And so you talk a lot about these these healing factors, mm-hmm. um, the 10 healing factors. Maybe maybe just, if you could, just go through some of them or all of them and just sure. um, maybe why you see them as being so powerful. Yeah. So the just a little bit of background, radical remissions healing factors came from um, this immediate, like this uh, primary research that Dr. Turner did. She's the author of the book. So she, during her PhD, studied people who were considered spontaneous remissions to find out how they healed outside of medicine. You know, what did they do? She really was very curious and wanted everybody else to be able to know the answer to that as well. So she traveled around the world and interviewed people and their healers and gathered all of this information. And it culminated to, you know, it was a research method. So there were 75 um, actual research um, healing factors that came up, all the things that different people, little buckets that she could put her her uh, research into. But there were 10 things that they all did. And that is how these factors came to be. So these are all things that over 1,500 spontaneous remissions, quote unquote, spontaneous remissions did to heal while she was doing her research. And then she decided that Spontaneous was not the appropriate word. It was really more radical. They did a lot of lifestyle change. And so that birthed the book, and then it became a New York Times bestseller. And then she released Radical Hope in 2020 to add the healing factor of exercise in there. So to answer your question, three physical factors. So there's 10 total. Only three are physical. And they're not small, but there are things that are very accessible. So movement, exercise, and movement is one. Um, changing your diet. So uh, without going, we could have an entire week of podcasts on diet, but ultimately the radical remission stance on diet is to reduce or eliminate meat, wheat, sweets, and dairy. So that's our our little, you know, reduce or eliminate meat. Wheat is kind of our processed food category. 
um, sweets being sugar and dairy. So those are the things that, and this is all just based on what these people did. We're not saying it's right or wrong. It's just, here's what people did. If you want to be like them, these are things you could try. Mm. Um, and then the third one is utilizing herbs and supplements from a licensed practitioner who knows you and does, you know, does your blood work, does your testing, checks you specifically for what your deficiencies are and helps you, you know, fill in those blanks with supplements. So those are the three physical. We also have the mental and emotional ones. And I'll just run through them real quick, and then we can kind of dive into a couple of them if uh, if they so interest you. Great. Um, we have increasing positive emotions and releasing suppressed emotions. So those two kind of pair up together nicely because you can kind of, you know, work with one and the other together, hand in hand. Um, empowering yourself is one where we really um, try to educate people on being their own advocate in their health so that they play a role in their healing and they don't just hand over power to any one person, practice, hospital, you know, relative, anything. They're the ones that are in charge of their health. We like to say they're the CEO of their own health. <laughs> nice. um, and then we have having strong reasons for living. So having purpose to counteract depression if you have purpose, you're forward thinking, you can think like, I want to live because I want to achieve this, or I want to be with this person or fill in the blank on what that is. It's different for everybody, but having one has been scientifically proven to be very valuable. And then we have um, the two kind of more spiritual ones, finding a spiritual connection or making sure you have one. And we don't define that as a religious experience per se. It certainly could be, but if people aren't feeling connected to a religion specifically, just making sure that they have a spiritual practice. And this is where we weave in meditation. So that is um, our way of kind of starting people through that conversation. And then following your intuition, which is a really beautiful and powerful factor. I really love teaching this one. We do a, a radical remission workshop where we teach all these healing factors and help people kind of adopt them into their life. And this is the one where the science is really um, almost spooky because you don't think about intuition. I mean, I know I didn't before I learned about any of this. And I think commonly people kind of take intuition for granted, but that is a really, um, a really cool factor that I like to share about. And then the last one is having um, a social support system. So yeah. making sure that you have people that understand you as you are and you feel really connected. It could be one person or it could be, you know, a 30,000 person Facebook group, whatever that is. As long as you feel connected to it, that's the the most important thing. And it's fascinating how you say that there's really only three of them are physical, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, and right. seven of them really are, are, as you said, spiritual, emotional, mental. And um, I'm curious, Liz, I, and I don't know if you can, if you can do this, but from your experience, is there one that stands out like as a first step for people? Like, you know, maybe they can't do all 10 at once, but is there one that stands out? Well, this would be a great first step. I do actually. And what I will say is we don't, know that there's any order of importance and we don't really say there is because what's important to you may be totally different for me. And so it's really important for everybody to evaluate themselves on these factors and see which one feels like the next step. Um, if you feel at a loss for all of them, where I like to start people is empowerment because really it's 
at the root of all of this, you have to feel like you have a say or you're not going to change your diet. You have to say that I want this type of treatment to be able to have a conversation with your practitioner. You have to say, I'm going to be doing some outside of the box things to my family. And I, I hope you join me on this journey and you accept that this is what I'm going to be doing in addition to whatever my treatment plan is. So empowerment is really valuable in so many ways on a cancer journey. And I think it's um, from a coaching perspective, that's one that's um, really attainable to help somebody find because they just need to believe that they have the they're holding the the reins on the horse or they're at the CEO of their boardroom table. Um, so I think that's a really good first one to start with. Mm. Is there one that surprises you, like how powerful it would be? Like maybe at first you didn't realize this one, but wow, this one is really powerful. Yeah, I will say that um, typically when people read these factors, they'll say, you know, either diet, if they haven't gone down that path, diet's a big one, and then releasing suppressed emotions, which is um, pretty much where you've uh, lots of, you know, life trauma, stress, all the little kind of negative emotions we have fall under that category. So it's a pretty big category and it means something different for everybody. So those two are commonly discussed. But like I started to say before, I think intuition is um, really underutilized. And so we do a lot with our, our clients to really help them access it and how to figure out how to use it and feel it in their bodies so that um, the intuition is a physical part of our body that um, is in our gut. So we want to make sure that our gut is in tune with what our brain is telling us because they act independently of each other, which is why you can have, um, you can walk into a room and have all the hairs on, on the back of your neck or your arms stand up. And you're like, why do I feel this way in this room? Or you can walk in and you see a person and you feel a certain way, you just get an energy about them. So listening to that is important. And when people are making really, really big medical decisions or decisions about their health, that's super important to tap into. Mm, that's great. That's great. Liz, I, I'm just going to read something to you. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. Sure. So I was I was recently reading. Um, are you familiar with David Hawkins's book, Power Versus Force? I am not. Is that? Okay, well, he he was a great spiritual teacher, and uh, and and a lot of it is about consciousness and elevating our state of consciousness. And mm -hmm. um, I think I think you would find it very interesting. And a lot of his work is in healing. And I just so happened to pick up this book as I was preparing for for this conversation and interview. And he talked about it wasn't radical remission, but he talks about spontaneous recovery. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts sure. on what he what he had to say. He said. In spontaneous recovery, there is frequently a marked increase in the capacity to love and the awareness of the importance of love as a healing factor and modality. Any has that come up at all? Like this absolutely this capacity, this awareness of love as a healing factor? Yeah. And you know, I would probably pop it into two different categories of our 10, one being obviously spirituality and having kind of that sense of being loved by something greater than ourselves. Um, maybe it's just your love for nature and feeling really connected to it and, and having that, um, that really intimate relationship with something just bigger than us. Uh, but the other part, which 
if you look at the actual scientific research, increasing social support, that feeling of being accepted or loved or um, whatever kind of emotion really connects you to people, I would say love, um, as that author had, um, the benefits of having a strong social support system in your life are more powerful to your health than a healthy diet, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, all combined. So that shows the power. And I I like to, I I try to articulate this to my kids because, you know, they're they're like a young and middle-aged teenagers. Um, The importance of feeling included and connected to people, having that human connection. And I describe it as, um, if you know how lonely you feel, when, you know, everybody feels lonely sometimes. So, you know, if you get to a place of, of feeling really lonely, and a lot of times that comes with very hand in hand with a diagnosis, because you may not have connected with somebody that really understands what you're going through yet, which I also encourage. But um, the feeling of being lonely, and then you think about the feeling of being included and how amazing it feels when you're like, you have your people and they understand you and you feel really connected and you have fun the same way and you learn the same way and you interact. Like the power of that feeling doesn't always feel so grand as how lonely loneliness can feel. So if you can relate the two and figure out, you know, give give some thought to how big loneliness can feel, that's how important feeling connected is also. And making sure that you feel seen for who you are and that you have people that really can relate to you and you can share openly with your feelings, um, no matter what the situation, whether it's a diagnosis or just someone that's, you know, living in everyday life and really feels that need for connection. That's beautiful. The, the second part that Hawkins says, he says, recovery from any disease process is dependent on willingness to explore new ways of looking at oneself and life. That's kind of an interesting, that was an interesting thought too, is just the idea of how we can look at ourselves through different eyes mm-hmm. and, uh, yep. and, and this whole idea is that we can, we can, you know, there's, there's, there, there's an exercise I did recently where you basically rewrite your life story mm-hmm. and you write the life story you, you think you have. And, you know, I'm not good at this and this happened and this was bad and all this stuff. And then you rewrite it from with a new theme, like with a, with an empowerment theme, like you said, or mm-hmm. or a love theme or a gratitude theme or whatever. And and it's almost like the the events, the, the unfit that you can see the events differently. You mm-hmm. can see, wow, this thing that seemed so terrible was actually really important. And just sort of looking at your your life and your yourself with new eyes. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, that's like the reprocessing part of, of some of that big stuff from the past was, uh, I have to ask, was that the story you need to tell? Was that part of the program that you did? No, it was just something I, no, it was just something oh, I wow. sort of, yeah, it was just something I, I, I found online and, um, yeah. There's just a kind of- fantastic book called the story you need to tell, and it's about yourself and it's not about like writing a book about yourself. It's about that exact process. Like, what is your story and how do you run a reprocess it so it's different and maybe not negative um, or accept the negative and, and see it for what it is. I like to recommend, um, I love the word curiosity. I love to look at things with curiosity. You know, if I'm angry, well, okay, I feel angry, but like really why am I angry? If I'm looking at this on a screen, if I were to watch this as a video, 
as like an innocent bystander, why am I really angry at this? And it kind of like helps deflate that uh, feeling in the moment. Um, but you can use that in so many ways. You can use that around a lot of negative emotions like jealousy. Oh, why am I jealous about that? Or, or competitiveness or comparison, you know, those things that just the everyday human, uh, you know, runs into over time. Um, but if you look at it with curiosity, it takes that judgment out. And I'm a big believer in self-compassion and a lot of Kristen Neff's work. And so really seeing ourselves as human beings and we are all flawed and nobody's perfect and there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days, but on the bad days, can you view that through the lens of curiosity rather than shame? And beautiful. You'll see love a it. lot. You'll learn a lot of lessons about yourself that way. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. That was that's really beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, on the on the website, on the Radical Remission website, you, you have lots of stories of healing stories. And I'm just wondering, Liz, if, is there any one? I, I know it's probably hard to pick, but is there any one that really just sort of stands out in your mind? Like this would be really inspiring for people to hear. I do. I actually am currently, we, we launched our Radical Remission podcast um, early, uh, late in 2023. And so I have nice. a lot of uh, stories kind of swimming around in my head that um, that may be inspiring. I'm going to look at our playlist and see who, <laughs> who, who moves me. <laughs> um, well, I'll say this. So there's a woman named Anne Fonfa. She is she runs the Annie Appleseed Project. And if you read Radical Remission, you'll learn a little bit about her. Um, and she is somebody who has been kind of living in and out of cancer for decades. And she's a big part of the movement of educating people on integrative and um, complementary medicine. She was unable to chemically she is chemically sensitive and is unable to have treatment. So uh, conventional treatment uh, like chemo and radiation. So she's had a lot of surgeries to remove things. And then she does a lot of these radical remission factors to find healing. And she's one of our guests. Um, but she's had uh, multiple breast cancers removed. She's had I think she has uh, maybe lymphoma at the moment where she's just you know, she's persevering. She's so resilient. She's fiery. She's spicy. She's got so much purpose. And she runs a conference every February in Florida where she introduces people to all of these concepts. And um, and she is a real big inspiration for a lot of people because she's just she will not take no for an answer. She's a she's a New Yorker. So she's got that <laughs> that little New York fire to her and she will not let this be, um, you know, what gets her in the end. You know, there was a story that I read now. Now, it's funny because I was I was I was preparing for this conversation. I'm like, did I imagine this story or did I actually read this? But, I, but I'm going to say it to you because I think I read it. Okay. But was there a gentleman who was diagnosed with pretty advanced cancer and he decided he wanted to move to Greece? Yeah, I think there there was a. <laughs> did I imagine this? I don't know. There was somebody. There's some. There's a lot of people that do stuff like that. Very extreme. Okay. Um, one of the stories that we share in our workshop is a, a man named Christian, and he. I think he is Swiss. So the whole story maybe takes place in Switzerland, but he um, had a diagnosis. And it was very heavy. I don't think there was a, a treatment wasn't an option. You know, you, you get the whole prognosis of you only have this many months to live kind of thing. Um, and so he took he decided he was going to go to the mountains and, you know, just 
be at peace. And and I think he, his friend, right before he left, his friend gave him a book on meditation and he'd never meditated. And a lot of times these stories come from these people with like really big jobs are really stressful. They have a lot going on and they don't really take time for lifestyle change or, or even pay attention to how they feel about life. They're just go, go, go. So this man went to the mountains with this book on meditation and he read it and he started meditating and he loved it. So he started meditating for hours and hours and hours. I'm not sure if this is the story you're thinking of, um, but he ended up going and living on a monastery for at a monastery for a while. And lo and behold, he goes back, you know, months later for his check-in with his doctor and he had no cancer in his body. So there are ways, there are Beautiful. lots and lots and lots of stories of people who don't do any treatment and find healing. Um, but we like to take it, we like to, you know, recommend an integrative approach because cancer has, it's, it's, it's a different animal for everybody. It's different levels of aggressiveness. And if you have time, you can use that time to adopt some lifestyle changes before making any major decisions. But um, it's very personal. And it really matters. You know, everybody needs to, again, tap into that intuition. Do you feel more comfortable getting treatment? Yes, then get treatment and add these lifestyle changes in it. They can come in to the picture at any phase of the journey. And quite frankly, I think we all should be doing them in advance. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great example, too. I, I got I to remember yeah. where I saw that example. Maybe I just imagined the whole thing. But it, it, it sounded as though this gentleman you know, just through the change of scenery and through the the Mediterranean diet mm -hmm. and just the beach and all this stuff. And just, you know, the cancer never really, really came back. Or if it was there, it never right. advanced. Um, yeah, there's but, lots um, of stories like that. I mean, people, um, it, you know, there's big things. There's, you know, do you need to leave your job? Do you need to leave your partner? Do you need to leave where you live? Uh, those are really, really big things that to ask someone to do because they have a diagnosis and they don't feel well. So how does that, how can we inspire them? That's kind of our job as coaches. How can we work with someone to, if they realize that that is what needs to get done, how can we help them set some goals to achieve to kind of get them to make these big decisions and execute them? Because they're not easy things, but sometimes that's how people survive. Like when they've been put on hospice, that's how they survive because they just don't have a lot of time left. So they're like, well, might as well do what I want at this point. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Liz, a few final questions just that I that I asked most of the mm -hmm. people on the show. What are some of your daily practices that you use on a daily basis that keep you feeling strong and healthy and grounded? Um, I really, the physical ones are important. I do think that exercise and, and diet and supplementation are really tangible and very easy to do. And I do believe not that they're not easy to do. I don't want to minimize that, but they're very important to do. Um, but from the perspective of others, I would say, I think a meditation practice, if you are looking to add one new thing and you haven't, you know, approached many alternative approaches, not that meditation is that alternative, but, um, but I really feel like meditation is a fantastic place to start. And it can just be five minutes a day if, if it doesn't feel comfortable, or you're still getting used to it. And I will just say to your audience, you can't do it wrong. <laughs> you cannot fail at it. And I want you to let go of the outcome and just sit and try. And the more you try, it's a cumulative benefit. So the more often you do it and the more regularly you do it, you will start to see health benefits emotionally and physically. It can help with pain. It can help with stress. 
So it's a it's an amazing tool, and there's so much research out there. If you need a, a reason why, you can look up. You can use WebMD or or not WebMD. I'm thinking of PubMed, PubMed.gov, um, to find the scientific research about meditation and any ailment or just meditation benefits. But there's a lot of research to show how it affects the brain and the body and the connection between the two. If someone happens to be listening who is feeling a little hopeless, a little powerless, and if they happen to be sitting with you, what might you tell them? Um, I like to start with what what's going right right now. I know there's a lot going wrong, but what's going right? What can you tell me? What are three things that you... And it's kind of like... You know, a lot of people talk about gratitude and and gratitude journaling and the benefits of you know three things that are are you're grateful for at the end of every day. That is a great tool, but if you're talking to someone who's like acutely terrified, scared, we got to ground you. We got to get you grounded. We got to get you back. To, you know, and sometimes it could just be take off your shoes and go walk in the grass for five minutes. <laughs> you know, get some get some mm. grounding from the earth in there, but also. Uh, what are the things that are going right in this moment? You know, you are breathing, you are having a conversation, you know, what are the, if it has to be at the very minimum at those kinds of things, it is grounding. So I think that's the best first tactic there. Awesome. And then my final question is, if you could travel back in time, say 35 years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? Hmm. Uh, don't wait until your 40s to start lifestyle change. <laughs> I would say I think our 20-somethings our are now are much more educated and willing and interested in thinking outside the box for their health. And I really appreciate that. I really hope they're going to have an impact on um, just expansive health care and including standard of care wherever it's appropriate, but not giving all the power to it. and respectfully, absolutely respectfully, but, you know, utilizing it as the tool that it is, but knowing that there are other tools and being educated and finding vetted resources that will help you with whatever it is that you need. Liz, that's wonderful. If if someone would like to find out about more about the project or work with you as a, as a cancer health coach, where should they go to do all that? Um, they can check in at radicalremission.com. Um, if you go to the About Us page, you'll find my profile there. You can connect with me for coaching. You can um, reach out to my private practice website is the health, I'm the health navigators. So the private practice website is healthnavs.com. Um, but the Radical Remission Project website has lots of information and has all the events of all of the different Radical Remission coaches that are being um, offered. And we have the Radical Remission workshops that I think are a really good first step if somebody's interested in this information and kind of want to bring the book into their own everyday life and how to implement it. That's a really good first step. Liz, thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you today, talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for the great work that you're doing, too. Thank you so much for having me and sharing my information with the world. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. 
explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone. <laughs>